Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. More and more often these days, financial advisors are telling young people and their parents, I guess, because they're going to find out about it sooner or later, that a good course of action, if you want to buy a home, if you want to get into the home ownership game, is to delay it until you're well into your 20s, maybe even 30. And in the meantime, stay home, live with mom and dad, bank up money, and come up with a down payment. Now, when I was 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, living at home or not desperately trying to get out of living at home at that age was, it was, it's called failure to launch, right? It, it was embarrassing. It was, it was bad news. What's, what's wrong with you? You should be out on your own. It was a big thing, but maybe that is changing. Now it's something that people are doing more and more often. And there's, you can see the reason why. So let's let's have a conversation about this. We're going to chat with Aravind Sithamparapillai, who's an associate at Ironwood Wealth Management Group. Aravind, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you being here today. Thanks, Shay. Uh, so, pleasure to be here. So this advice from financial planners, let's just go through, I mean, in terms of what's being recommended or what's being talked about, it's it's a strategy. You know, it's basically saying, hey, listen, if you want to get into home ownership, this is one way to do it. And in what it entails is living at home a lot longer than you may want to, and your parents may want you to. <laughs> I think that's uh, that's the challenge, right? I don't think anyone loves loves the idea of potentially, you know, revisiting those childhood years. But uh, it is something that we see a lot of, even uh, even in my company. In terms of timelines, what are we talking about here? I mean, I guess it, it's going to vary. It's going to depend on how much the kid is earning and how much they can put away. But how long are we talking about in some cases here? So. It really depends on the type of job and the type of situation. So what I typically see is I see sort of two extremes. I see children or, you know, now young adults, and they've uh, finished up some type of professional education. So maybe engineer or maybe even medicine or a master's in business. They've come back home and it's sort of a truly like a launch pad. Like, hey, mom, dad, I'm going to be here for six months to a year, just sort of getting my bearings. I don't want to you know, rent or commit myself to the first place, but they have a job set up or they're coming back home because, you know, parents are living in, I I live here in Hamilton in Ontario. So I'll use Toronto as an example. You know, they're coming back to a major urban area. They want to stay with their parents until they find the right place downtown Toronto that they can lock into either, you know, long-term rent or purchasing a place. So that is one extreme. The other one that I see where the timeline is a little bit more lengthened might be if they are fresh out of undergrad, maybe a professional or quasi-professional uh, career, but it might not be that exceptionally high income. So you might be looking at forty to sixty thousand or a tad more, and then it becomes really tough to make yeah. you know ends meet while renting for fifteen hundred or more for a small place. 
And those we're looking at multi-year. We're, we're probably looking at about you know three to seven year timelines when I walk through sketching out those numbers with the kids and the parents. Yeah, for sure. Of course. Now, I guess the important thing here is we're not talking about just extending your adolescence. There needs to be a plan. Like you're saying, you sketch it out. You sit down with the kids and their parents. There is a plan. There's a strategy. There's a goal. It's not just sort of, ah, just stay with mom and dad. You, you actually work on a plan, right? Everybody knows what's happening. So... It's funny that you say that because I 100% agree. Everyone should be working on a plan and sort of pre-committing or pre-negotiating. But where I have seen anecdotally and I've had people complain to me is when it hasn't been pre-committed because it is, uh, we'll sort of work it out. But then all of those underlying tensions start to come to the forefront. And that's where we've started to, you know, in our role with helping our clients, we actually take that proactive discussion. So if parents are with us and they're talking about their kids moving back home, we start to walk through, well, have you talked about who's going to cover groceries? Sure. Have you talked about whether the kids get to raise your fridge? Have you talked about the type of responsibility of them either saving the money or you collecting rent? And when we go through that checklist and they realize, no, we haven't, then we start to explain some of the pitfalls that we've seen if those things haven't been discussed in advance. And that, that's what it comes down to. And I guess the, the question I have is, okay, I, I've got two kids. I've got a 19-year-old. i got a 22-year-old. And I want to help them out as much as I can, right? There's there's no question about it. They, they can have a place to live for now. But but like you say, there's got to be some rules. There's got to be some sort of... But how do you do that? If, if the goal of the exercise is to allow them to save as much money as possible to be able to move out on their own and buy a home or whatever the case may be, and they need to have sort of a, a low-cost way of doing that... If you're charging them groceries, you're charging them internet, you're charging them who knows what, rent, to live in your home, are you not sort of working against your own purposes at the same time? You are. And so what we typically do, so Shay, actually, I'll turn it back to you. And I might ask, and I hope it's not an uncomfortable question, but are your kids responsible? Let's start with that. Do you trust them to save money? uh, uh, No, Uh, I don't. Not really. Not really. So... The reason I ask that is there's really one of two ways that we work through this with many of our clients. So the first is let's assume that you've got smart kids, great head on their shoulders. Uh, you know, it's a responsibility that they can own. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com wonder but the challenge is you just want to help them by providing a little bit of free rent or subsidized yeah. rent we have parents with children in that situation they actually send their children to us as a starting point. You know, Aravin, can you sort of get them set up, get them to put that monthly amount away uh, in a TFSA, a tax-free savings account, or now obviously the first home savings account becomes a, an option to yeah. discuss, but can, can you help them get set up in that way? And then not only is it sort of a fake rent, uh, you know, putting the money away, but then the children are also getting a little bit more of an exposure to a financial literacy element as well by understanding how the financial world works. Now, I caveat that, that they have to be sort of responsible and trust them because at the end of the day, that means the money is still in the children's hands. It's still their decision, what they do with it, that kind of thing. Now we go the other way 
And if it's a bit of, I want to help them, I want to steer them in the right direction, I think they'll be better off with me at home. But Aravin, I'm going to be honest with you. If I let them make the decisions with the money, it's not going to work out. And that three to seven years is probably going to become a decade. In those cases, I do recommend that the parents collect the rent. Yep. And at that point, again, we can help the parents with how are you going to save it? How are you going to plan around it? How are you going to hold it if your goal truly is to give this money back to the children? But in those cases with planning, I always say to the parents, if there's a financial cost that you're taking on, like helping fund groceries or whatever the case is, we need to make sure, much like an airplane, you know, you've got your parachute strapped on and your financial situation is taken care of before you start doling out additional charity as well. I think that makes so much sense. It, it, it really does in terms of making sure. And then, then then, you as the parent, you also have the reassurance that we're not just spinning our wheels here. I can see that there's a fun building. So we're, we're actually getting to where we need to be going. What about the skills that you learn? And I, I don't know how old you are or what your experience was, but I mean, those are formative years, 20 to 30, where you're sort of going out there, you're making those mistakes, you're learning how to balance a budget, you're learning how to support a household, all these sorts of things. Or we're just pushing that back to 30 or do you need to try and incorporate some of that into the plan too? No, I think you should. So I, I can give you, and I, I sit in a bit of a weird hybrid, I guess, in terms of what happened with me. So um, I, I went to school at McMaster here in Hamilton. Um, my brother's three years younger than me also came to Mac. And so when two of us were out, my parents said, okay, it doesn't really make a ton of sense for two of you to be paying rent. And so they got a rental place that my brother and I had to be sure. the landlords. Yeah. And that was our job. So we, we got a little bit of that real life. Oh, a toilet broke. I have to figure out going to Home Depot at, you know, 7.30 at night because a toilet doesn't work in the house and I need some help, you know, walking up and down the aisles in mid-20s, early 20s, sorting that out. Um, so I agree with you that having some type of responsibility, because after that, I didn't end up ever moving back home to my parents. I moved out into a one-bedroom apartment with my fiance at that point and to your point, you know, learn to pay the bills, learn to make those mistakes, learn to have those responsibilities. I think there is an element of that. I think parents can create that yeah. in the role of rent and having some, again, pre-negotiated what happens if you don't follow through. Because I have seen and I have heard, you know, kids forget to pay rent. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't have money this month, mom and dad. I'll, I'll get it to you next yeah, month. Yeah. And then it doesn't happen. So what I recommend is obviously... Shay, I'm sure you love your kids. You know, responsible or not, it would be it would be a tough go to to evict them. Totally, so to speak. Totally. And so I recommend, you know, what about midway points? What about cutting off the internet? What about saying, well, you know, we normally do family dinner or we normally help chip in on the groceries, but we're going to cut back on those things because again, there has to be some type of wake up call. And so if you change the code on the internet, mm-hmm. and again, that's been pre discussed with the kids. Well, that's a real pain point especially yep. in this generation when everyone is so connected online and that is not unlike a world where you don't pay your utilities bills and someone comes and turns off the electricity and you know Ervin, i think part of it is they don't even have any kind of concept of the number of bills that come into a household every single month they don't even they're not even aware of everything that's involved in, in keeping a household going you know what i mean so those kind of lessons you could help teach them some of those things in that way as well I agree. And one thing that I learned growing up with my parents and I, I, I have younger kids. My kids are turning seven, turning five and turning three. Yep. And I actually already have money conversations with the turning seven and turning five year old. And this is challenging 
right? And this, this is a bit of a comfort piece, but being able to invite children, your children into some elements of your life yep. in that regard, like, hey, I'm paying the electricity bill. Do you want to see how much it costs? Sit down with me. Uh, do you want to see how much the internet costs? You know, sit down and, yeah. and we can go through that process. With my seven-year-old son, when he asks for, you know, can we get this? Can we get that? He is old enough. He understands the idea of dollars and cents. And so we walk through how much a pizza might cost or how much a set of Lego might cost. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the relative ideas of having to work more to buy these things. Yeah, and what and what it costs to actually be a be a grown up. Uh, it's great, great concept uh, and great insight. I really appreciate it, Irvin. Thank you so much for being here today.